Hello and welcome to the Jewish 365 Podcast. I'm your host, Rabbi Dan Kershamam, and we're going to be going through the Jewish calendar. The Jewish calendar was created as an active calendar. We believe that God imbued in each day the ability to generate a certain spiritual effect in the world. And there's opportunities, there are strengths that are built into different times of the year. And as every single year passes, that spiritual opportunity perpetuates itself over and over and over again. If you want to hear what spiritual opportunities you have and how you can access that spiritual potential throughout the year, please join us on our podcast. So as we discussed, we are going to briefly just discuss the platform of how Moshe is chosen, where and when he is chosen, uh, where exactly he was, and, and, and what that process was like of how he was chosen to be the messenger of Hashem and to go and save the Jewish people. So we ended off that he was in Midian. And he was in Midian with the new father-in-law, Yisro, who he promised that he would watch over his flocks. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was living a shepherd's life. And I think it's very important to mention that many of the great people um, in Jewish history were uh, living this life of a shepherd. And there's a characteristic that that shepherd life um, really developed. And so Moshe was showing his gratitude towards Yisro. He tended his flocks along with Yisro's flocks. And um, he um, he was expressing gratitude and he was... He was still a fugitive of Paro, and as a shepherd, who was constantly moving from place to place, he found that as an ideal situation for him. He could conceal his identity and whereabouts from unfriendly eyes. Now, the lifestyle of a shepherd also suited his contemplative nature. Because while the sheep were grazing, a shepherd would have a lot of time, a lot of free and undisturbed time to himself. And Moshe took advantage of these opportunities, and he would sit there and reflect. Rabbeinu Machai says that these were the times when he reached high levels of nevuah, of prophecy, because he would sit there and he would, he would you know, reflect, he would uh, meditate possibly, and really tap into the wondrous ways of Hashem. And so we know this is what the forefathers of the Jewish people also did. They lived lives of shepherds, and it says that uh, it, was, it was for this reason. The Rabbeinu Machai says that it was for this reason that they lived shepherds, and now Moshe followed in the footsteps, and he preferred the solitude of the fields, um, far from the temptation of the towns. It was an environment that was very conducive to holiness. And uh, aside from being a very good shepherd, by the way, it says that Moshe was a you know, really excellent shepherd, and he would watch the flocks and never, ever lost a sheep, and he was really good. Um, and it says that... Um, you know, he, uh, he saw with his gift of nevuah that he got as a shepherd that the Jewish people would find greatness and glory in the wilderness, and he saw they would receive the Torah. He saw they would be fed man from, hev- from heaven. He saw that the Mishkan would be built and that the Shechina of the Anani covered the clouds of glory would rest on it, and he saw all these things. And this is where, you know, that whole, we talk about a platform, that whole spiritual platform of Moshe getting Nevuah and, um, you know, getting that, that closest to Hashem, this is where it all happened. So one day, Moshe is tending to the flocks as he always does, and a young lamb runs away. And Moshe was unwilling to lose even one lamb of Yisro's flock. So he ran, the, he ran off to find it, and he couldn't find it. And he searches and searches and finds it drinking by a stream. So he picks up the lamb, he puts it on his shoulders, and he goes back 
And it says that this was a big test from Hashem because Hashem had to know, Moshe, have you become a guy who is prepared and determined, um, you know, and to, to, to care for every single member of the flock, every single, you know, individual is important to you because that's the character that a Jewish leader needs. Every single neshama, every single person is priceless. That's why it's important to, to mention this that, this, that these times as a shepherd is what really, is what really transformed Moshe into that person. And that's really what Hashem was looking for. And when that happened, so Hashem said, okay, now you're ready and now I can choose you. And Moshe is walking and he is, uh, he's walking through the wilderness and he had a very unusual experience. For 40 days he was walking through the wilderness and it says, not one time did a sheep stop to graze. So Moshe knew it was a sign that in the future the Jewish people would travel through the wilderness for 40 years without having to eat anything from Hashem. They would just have to eat the mud that fell from heaven. After 40 days, Moshe notices his surroundings had, uh, they went through a little bit of a change. It wasn't a desolate place anymore, it was a cultivated one. And he, was, he no longer felt like he was in that deep, deep wilderness anymore. And there was a big mountain in front of him, and there was a snare, thorn bush on that mountain. And that thorn bush had five sharp leaves growing from each branch. And there was intense heat, and there was a lack of rain, which made everything very, very dry. Anyway, Moshe is walking towards the direction of this bush. And as he approaches the mountain, he sees the angel Michael. Now, when you see Michael, that always means, it always indicates the presence of the Shekhinah at its peak. And Moshe said, whoa, and the thorn bush was burning. And there was an angel that was standing in the midst of the flames. And Moshe, you know, this was a very miraculous vision. He tried to look away. Um, he tried to look away, not because it was even too much for him. He tried to look away. The, um, the uh, I believe it's the Medrash Rabbah that says, because he was such a good shepherd for Yisra still, he wanted to keep focusing on the sheep. And Moshe realizes there's something very holy going on over here. Because the bush was burning vigorously, but it had not been consumed. He calls out all the shepherds and he says, wow, look at the bush. It's not burning up, but it's... It's burning, but it's not being consumed. And none of them were able to see anything besides Moshe. And Moshe knew that this is, this is clearly the hand of God. And he saw there was no fuel of any kind at the bottom of the bush. And also, the top third of the bush was aflame, but the rest of it seemed perfectly, perfectly normal. So he said, how could it be? You know, if it's, if it's too dry, it should dehydrate. If it's too wet, the top should burn. And the fire also wasn't regular colors. It says... It was, there was long tongues of different uh, colors on this flame. Um, all sorts of, uh, of different colors. And Moshe was, was uh, he was very perplexed. He was very perplexed on how this bush can even exist. And so reluctantly he says, I got to leave the sheep just for a second to see what is going on over here. And we know that the bush has a lot of symbolism. A thorn bush is a symbol of pain. And in this case, it showed that Hashem, so to speak, is in pain. He feels pain. He feels our pain. And a thorn bush, when anyone encounters a thorn bush, what's going to happen? It's going to hurt. They're gonna, it's going to result in injury. And so too the Jewish people. They were caught in a situation where they could not escape injury. They couldn't escape this matzah of the situation with the Egyptians. A thorn bush has flowers as well as thorns. And the Jewish people were the same way. Some of them are flowers. Some of them are sticking to their beliefs and values. And some of them 
had, they had some sinful people as well. In any event, Hashem talks to Moshe and he talks to him in the voice of his father not to frighten him. And he says, Moshe, you're the guy that's going to, you know, you're, you're going to go to Paro and you're going to send my nation, the Jewish people from Egypt. You're going to be their redeemer. And if you don't redeem them, Moshe, no one's going to. You are the person. And Moshe was a little reluctant at first. The details about three different times he may have tried to refuse it. But at the end, Hashem sends him and he says to Hashem, you know, okay, I'm going to do it. And when they ask for your name, what should, I, what should I tell them? He said, Eya Asher Eya, I will be what I will be. And that name, has, it's, it's very restrictive, it's very, very deep. Hashem tells Moshe, tell them, Eya, Eya, I shall be what I shall be. Meaning Hashem is infinite. Nothing can apply to him. All the names of Hashem, it's not inclusive of what he really is. When he judges, he's only being what he's going to be. We can't fully grasp it. And in any event, this Geula of Mitzrayim, as well as all the other uh, times in our life when Hashem saves us from war, saves us from anything, He is going to be what He's going to be. We don't fully grasp it. He is beyond us. In any event, the story, it's a, it's a, it's a lengthy story we're not going to get into right now, but Moshe refuses three times, and Hashem waits seven full days, and um, it says that, that uh, three times Hashem asked Moshe and he declined, that a person's only given three opportunities to do, to do teshuva. So Hashem couldn't wait any longer. Hashem, it says he was angry, so to speak, you know, um, at Moshe. And uh, it says that Hashem compared Moshe's refusing of this to Avodah Zarah, to, to an idolatrous act. And time had passed and Hashem decided to do what Moshe wanted. He picked somebody else and it was ultimately Yehoshua that would lead the Jews into B'nai Yisrael because Moshe refused. Refused, And to take the Jewish people out of Egypt, Hashem chose Aaron. That's what Moshe suggested. Hashem chose Aaron. And uh, Moshe would talk to Aaron in Lashon HaKodesh like an angel. And Aaron would translate the words into the Egyptian language and talk to Paro. And so you had this tag team of Moshe and Aaron going into Paro. And eventually when it was time to go into Israel, we're going to see Yehoshua. But this is the team. You have Moshe and Aaron and they're going and they are going to talk to Paro. And they are going, they're going to develop a bit of a plan, which we're going to return to later, what this plan is when we get into the, the depths of the Eser Makos, we will get into all of their confrontations with Paro. And so it's at this very time that Moshe goes to Midian. He gets permission from Yisro to leave because he made an agreement. Yisro agrees. And when he returns from the Sneh, he sees that he, uh, a newborn baby, he sees he had another child. So Moshe goes with permission uh, he takes his wife, and their two children now, Gershom and Eliezer, and he leaves Midian. They set out on the journey to Egypt, um, riding this special, special donkey, it says. It dated back to the six days of creation, and in the thousand years since its creation, it had an illustrious career. Avram rode on this donkey to the Akedah, Yitzhak inherited it, and passed it to Yaakov, who passed it to Levi, who passed it to Gehaz, who passed it to Amram. And at the end of the days of Mashiach, it says Mashiach will come riding upon this very donkey to redeem the Jews from their exile. In any event, Moshe is in the possession of this donkey in Egypt where he fled for his life. And uh, they all hop on this donkey and they're on their way. We'll come back to the story soon. But now it's time for the deep spiritual aspect. Hey, I really hope that you learned something new and that this helps you on your quest to access the spiritual potential of the calendar. If you want to hear more or you have any questions, please reach out to us at the Jewish 365 course at Gmail.